Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is the Primetime Politics Podcast. Hello, I'm Peter Van Dusen, and this is Primetime Politics on CPAC, the Vote 2019 edition. It is day 28 of the campaign, the day after the big English language leaders debate. Coming up, back on the campaign trail with the party leaders and their promises and their position uh, on Quebec's controversial Bill 21. Our panel of journalists will review last night's debate and whether it will help move the dial with voters. And we'll profile the riding of Peterborough Kawartha, the last bellwether riding in Canada. What can it tell us? But first, our day 28 campaign primer. Well, I, what's up, everybody? We're here, Ryerson, Ryerson students. This is the future. Make some noise, folks. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh campaigned in Toronto today, holding a round table and discussing his proposals to help young people, including eliminating interest on student debt, affordable housing, universal drug coverage, and better dental care. Well, what we're talking about today is a way that we can save young people up to $1,200 a year, put $1,200 right back into their pocket, and up to $5,000 in rental subsidies. These are real meaningful ways to make their lives more affordable. This is a real meaningful way to put money back into people's pockets and giving young people hope. And I, and I really believe if you give young people hope, we can see amazing things happen. But Singh faced pointed questions about his position on Quebec's Bill 21 banning religious symbols. The NDP has 14 seats in the province it's trying to hold. Singh has been a vocal opponent of the Quebec bill that targets minorities, and yet he said he would not intervene in the court challenges. Today, perhaps a slight change. Singh says as Prime Minister, he would have to look at getting involved if the case ends up in the Supreme Court of Canada. There's a court challenge, and it's very important. I am a lawyer, and I think it's very important that I don't interfere in any way with a court challenge that's happening. And, and what I want to do instead is use my platform to win over people and show them that this is not a good idea. To divide people based on the way they look is not going to build a better world. Welcome to the uh, Great to be back. Liberal leader Justin Trudeau made a campaign stop in Iqaluit in the riding of Nunavut, where he outlined proposals to help northern communities transition to renewable energy sources and talked about his promises to protect more land and water. We'll help people retrofit their homes. We'll build an economic ecosystem that drives clean tech innovation. We'll ensure that all Indigenous communities are off diesel and instead powered by clean, affordable energy like hydro by the year 2030, and we'll hit net zero emissions by the year 2050. Trudeau has set himself apart from the other leaders on Quebec's Bill 21, saying he is prepared to intervene in the court fight, just not yet. I have committed to not uh, engage at this particular time in this particular process, but I have not ruled out a federal government weighing in at a later date on this issue because a federal government cannot ever rule out the need to stand up for fundamental freedoms, whether it is uh, linguistic rights, whether it is uh, diversity rights, uh, LGBT rights, women's rights, or uh, the rights of religious minorities. Conservative leader Andrew Scheer was back in battleground Ontario today, campaigning in the hotly contested ridings in the GTA. He promised a Conservative government would fund two subway expansions to take 2,500 bus trips a day off the local roads 
to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and relieve traffic congestion. It is one of the fastest growing regions in North America. October 21st, Canadians decide who they trust to put more money in their pockets so they can get ahead. And when it comes to important projects getting built, that choice could not be clearer. Four more years of dithering and delays, of longer commutes and higher gas prices with the Liberals, or a new Conservative government that will invest in projects like the Ontario Line and the Young Subway Extension here in the GTA that shorten your commute and will make life more affordable so you can get ahead. There were questions too for Scheer about last night's debate, including why he chose to attack Justin Trudeau in the opening moments of the debate. He can't even remember how many times he put blackface on because the fact of the matter is he's always wearing a mask. Like millions of Canadians, I've just become incredibly frustrated with him uh, being so completely fake and phony and saying one thing and doing another and pretending to be someone that he's clearly not. And I wanted to set that, uh, I wanted to, to articulate that early on uh, because I share the frustration of millions of Canadians uh, who cannot trust anything Justin Trudeau says because of his inability to, tr to tell the truth. Green Party leader Elizabeth May campaigned in Quebec today where she noted the dominance of climate change at the leaders' debate last night. I wish that activists would consider we're in a federal election campaign. What's the, most, what's the most significant, meaningful thing you can do to get climate action? Right now we're having a referendum on climate in this country. That's what the election is about. And it would be, I think, the more, much more effective way to get climate action is to make sure that everyone you know votes, particularly young people, get out and vote, vote green. Unfortunately, we'll be stuck with my dad. Oh, stuck with me. Oh, how terrible. And that's the kind of day it's been, day 28 of the campaign. Let's return to last night's debate on the positions of the party leaders on one key issue that came up more than once, Bill 21. That's Quebec's bill to ban religious symbols worn by public servants in positions of authority. Minority groups see it as a direct attack on their rights and freedoms, and many groups describe it as legalized racism. But the bill has the support of more than two-thirds of Quebecers. The bill is being challenged in court, but many groups are disappointed that federal leaders refuse to join that challenge. In a moment, I'll speak with the leader of one such organization. But first, this exchange from the debate last night. Quebec does not need to be told what to do or what not to do about its own values, nor its language, but Mr. nor Blanchet, themselves as a nation. This, this is a bill that just says to people, because of the way they look, that they can't do a job. You and know that's, this that's is wrong. not true. And, and instead, instead Madame, of that, you know this is not true. And instead, your tweet that said of that, that I said... Instead of that, Mr. Blanchet, what we should be doing was wrong. Mr. Mr. Blanchet, instead of what we should be doing is let's protect women's rights. Let's build Ressemble. up more protections for uh, a what woman's does right to choose. What means in let's, the context I used let's, it? Let's build up more protections for the LGBTQ community. Let's build up more protections in society to build a society where there is a okay, separation thank you, of church Mr. and Blanchet, state. Thank you. you have spoken very eloquently about discrimination and fought against it all your life. Um, and that's why it's so surprising to have heard you say, like every other leader on the stage, that a federal government under you would not intervene in the question of Bill 21 uh, in uh, Quebec. Uh, it's a question where, uh, yes, it's awkward politically, because as Mr. Blanchet says, it is very popular. But I am the only one on the stage who has said, yes, a federal government might have to intervene on this, because a federal government needs to protect minority rights, needs to protect uh, language rights, needs to protect women's rights, uh, and needs to do that right across the country. You didn't say that you would 
possibly intervene. You didn't I even mean, leave the door open, we, and that's be, not leadership. Let's be honest for a second here. Every single day of my life is fighting a bill like Bill 21. So why every single you day fight of my it life if you form government? Is, every single day of my life is challenging people who think that you can't do things because of the way you look. Every single day of my life, I channel the frustrations of people who feel that as well, that many people across our country who are told that they can't achieve what they want because of how they look. So why I'm not running to become act prime minister on your of this convictions country, and, I'm going and to leave back the and door telling people open I want to be to your challenging prime minister. It. Okay. Well, that was one of the several exchanges between leaders in the debate last night on Bill 21, Quebec's controversial secularism law. Fareed Khan is the founder of the organization Canadians United Against Hate. He joins me now in our studio. Good to see you. Uh, Thank you for having for me. Thanks for being here. Um, what's your reaction to how the federal leaders responded to, to questions about Bill 21 last night? Well, first of all, I was very pleased about the amount of attention that was given to Bill 21 uh, in the debate, as well as in the uh, sort of debriefings afterwards on the various media um, or the various news channels. Mm -hmm. um, but the responses, uh, in my view, all of the leaders gave inadequate responses as to how they would deal with Bill 21, with the exception of Mr. Trudeau, who did let's say, less bad than the others. Yeah, how so? Well, he actually was very clear in that uh, he said the government would be very open to uh, intervening in the uh, debate. Uh, he didn't say when, uh, but uh, he said it was uh, an option that was available, and he made it very clear that uh, the government, uh, one of the government's role is to defend people's uh, charter rights. What are your ex expectations um, in the context of how this bill is viewed in many communities, um, what are your expectations of these federal leaders during a federal campaign? What do you want to hear them say? Well, I would like to hear them say and stand united and say that it's the role of the federal government, actually any government, but spe specifically the federal government, to defend people's charter rights when they are violated. And Bill 21 is a clear violation of uh, charter rights in Quebec. Uh, the Quebec government would not have included the notwithstanding clause to shield it from um, charter challenges in certain sections if they didn't believe it was a violation of charter rights. I think that's an indication that uh, uh, that there are rights being violated of people uh, of people who live in Quebec. And what I would like to see the leaders come out and say in a united uh, way is that we will stand with um, minorities whose rights are being violated in Quebec and we will intervene at the earliest possible opportunity. Let's walk through some of the positions with, with uh, the Liberal leader, Mr. Trudeau, saying that, look, uh, he reserves the right uh, at some point to get involved. Mm. Would you like him to be even stronger than that? Would you like him to say, look, if this thing gets out of Quebec, uh, uh, or, or, I mean, I, I, would, let me just leave the question there. Would you like to be stronger than he's been, which we reserve the right to get involved? Should he be involved now? Yes, actually, I think uh, he should take a stronger stand. As I said, I think it's the role of the federal government to defend charter rights and the, and the charter of rights and freedoms. And uh, there is no restriction on the federal government getting involved at the earliest stages. They could apply for intervener status right now if they so chose. And they could, if they wanted, say that uh, we are supporting the uh, challenges that are being put forth by the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and the National Council of Canadian Muslims against the law. So there's nothing restricting any of the party leaders from uh, from doing that, and certainly there's nothing restricting um, Mr. Trudeau from saying that as well. Why do you think they're not? 
Well, I think it's clear they they're looking at the fact that uh, this uh, bill has wide this law has wide support in Quebec among uh, francophone voters, um, and they're looking at uh, their chances. However, I find that to be totally incongruous with defending human rights. You know, there was a time in Canada when people supported denying rights to the LGBTQ community. There was a time in Canada when the majority of people uh, believed that uh, women shouldn't have the right to vote. That didn't make it right then, and it doesn't make it right now. And this is the exact same situation where you have a majority of, of uh, people in a province who are supporting this, uh, this law which violates rights and uh, the political party leaders are playing politics with it. And I, I'm sorry, but uh, that's, uh, that's unacceptable. This is all, to you, this is all about uh, protecting seats or trying to win seats in the province. Oh, right? definitely, definitely. And I think certainly both uh, all Mr. Scheer, Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Singh as uh, you know the three established parties could very strongly come out and say we stand united against this law. We don't think that uh, any province should be able to pass laws that violate uh, charter rights as this law does. And whenever this happens, wherever this happens, we will stand against uh, against that and we will take uh, these uh, laws to the courts to be challenged. That would be something exceptional, wouldn't it? But it would provide each of them with, with political cover. If they exactly. all said, we feel the same way exactly. about this, you couldn't separate them in terms of how no, you want to vote no, the province. No, exactly, exactly. Now, that might give advantage to, um, you know, Mr. Uh, uh, the, the Bloc Québécois, Mr. Blanchette, and also uh, Mr. Bernier. However, um, I think that there needs to be a change in the narrative about how this issue is being addressed, because if... Quebec can get away with this. Um, what uh, you know? What's going to happen uh, at another time, whether it's in Quebec or any other province, where they say, "Well, you know what? This uh, this particular issue is inconvenient. We're going to pass a law that's going to violate the rights. We'll include the notwithstanding clause, and then that'll be done." Well, would, do you think they, the, the largely hands-off approach of federal leaders would be the same if this were happening in a different province? Oh, definitely not. Definitely not. And I don't know why, you know, uh, Quebec is treated with kid gloves when it comes to um, violations of charter rights. Quebec has used the notwithstanding clause in the past. And uh, basically, uh, you know, all federal leaders have basically let it have its way. I'm sorry, but this is like a spoiled child being given into uh, when they're throwing a tantrum. And this is what it is. And frankly, it's unacceptable. I know that uh, from people that I've spoken to, um, there are Muslim families and Jewish families and Sikh families who are feeling threatened in uh, in Quebec. There are people who are uh, considering leaving the province because they feel threatened and that they feel that uh, uh, their pursuit of their career, whether it's being a teacher or a police officer or what have you, cannot uh, proceed in the province of Quebec. And, and when that happens, that's, that's in fact, if you think about it, it's a form of ethnic cleansing. How... how um you, you're particularly, I, I think, frame it this way, uh, disappointed in, in the position taken by Mr. Singh uh, as the, the only racialized minority leader in, in, in this campaign. He seems to have uh, maybe moved on his position a little bit today, mm -hmm. saying he's now saying, still saying, look, I'm not getting involved while it's before the courts. If I'm prime minister one day and it gets to the Supreme Court, I might have to look at it then. Uh, is that any kind of substantial move forward on his position to you? No, it isn't. And in fact, I am supremely disappointed with Mr. Singh. Of all the people who should understand how this law affects people, it should be him. And I think he has abandoned his responsibility as a leading voice. And certainly as the only racialized leader of a federal political party, he should be the one who should be leading the charge. Um, he's saying he is to the extent that he's saying, you know, uh, leave, leave aside his position on the court, uh, which is 
impossible for you to do, I know, right, uh, right. because of the position you take. He's saying, look, I'm, I'm trying to get at this another way. I show up in Quebec. I'm a guy, I'm wearing a turban. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the embodiment of opposition to this law. And I show up in Quebec, and I'm trying to convince them to, to look at my values, not what I'm wearing. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to get to them almost with love, he's saying, rather, rather than taking them to court. What about that argument? Well, you know, I think Mr. Singh's statement last night at the debate and, and certainly uh, today, um, you know, words do matter, but ultimately words are cheap if they're not followed by actions. And his indication is, from what he said, that action won't be taken until this uh, bill reaches the last stage of the judicial process. Not, not I'm sorry for you. Yeah, no. And, and frankly, you know what? The people who are being affected today... They are looking for leadership among the federal leaders, and I thought, and uh, th they were certainly looking to Mr. Singh as the only, you know, visible minority leader to take a stronger stance. So for him to be um, equivocating and vacillating in the way that he has um, is a supreme disappointment for those people who thought that uh, he would be, you know, the champion of those who are being discriminated against in Quebec. It takes that's the equation here. He's got 14 seats in the province of Quebec. He's trying to hang on to it. They're, yeah, they're, they're all under threat. They're, they're all under threat. You know, and the thing is, though, from, you know, I think everybody watches the polls during the elections, and the polls indicate that, in fact, he may only be left with a handful of seats. But are you willing to sacrifice fundamental principles, fundamental defense of human rights on the altar of political expediency? I think that's the question that has to be asked. Because if you are, then what kind of a leader are you? All right, Fried Khan, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Back to last night's English uh, leaders debate it was a noisy affair, a, a mix of personal attacks and some policy, policy discussions and a, a format that sort of limited sustained debate between the leaders. So uh, what stood out? Will it change any votes or help decide votes? Questions I'll put to our panel of journalists in a moment. First, one of the key exchanges on climate change last night. The science is clear, your target is a commitment to failure. That's why it's so doable and achievable, because it doesn't do what the IPCC says we must do. We must go off fossil fuels as quickly as possible. And you bought a pipeline. You can't be a climate leader and spend 10 to $13 billion more on a project that by itself blows through our carbon budget. Okay. We have you, to actually A slogan is not a plan. No, uh, I have, we have a plan. A slogan is not a plan. It is an unrealizable plan. Canadians no, need that action that is going to actually make us but better, fight climate change, protect the environment, and build a stronger economy for our kids. Let, That's what we have with all done respect, more over the past four years than yes, any government in the history no, of Canada. No, that's not true. And there Paul is Martin much did more, more right. to do. That there is, is too, much more no to do. No one remembers yes, Paul Martin's plan in 2005. It was he better. But the reality is, over the past four years, we delivered on it. If you have a fire in a four-story building, getting a one-story ladder doesn't do it. That is completely false. And just because you say something over and over and over again doesn't make it true. Oh, the, there is it would no be nice Canadian. for you to learn there that, is Mr. No Canadian. There is, there is no Canadian that believes that they're going to be better off by paying a carbon tax. You have given a massive exemption to the country's largest polluters, and your plan the is already The economist, the parliamentary budget it officer, points out 80% of Canadians based are better on your off he under had to trust our, the numbers you gave him. Uh, Nobody incentive. believes your numbers, Justin, because you, you have misled Canadians. You do not want to act Canadians. on climate yeah. change, Mr. Mr. Shear. You were doing nothing. You're reversing the only plan we have. Had. You promised to balance your budget this year. Do we take a two-minute time? Do we take a two-minute time? 
one at a time. Mr. Have, but Singh, life is getting more expensive. Mr. Singh and then Mr. Friend, Benny. I want to say this yes. directly to Canadians. You do not need to choose between Mr. Delay and Mr. Deny. There is another option. <laughs> Well, one of the exchanges from a raucous, crowded, sometimes wandering English language leaders debate last night. Yesterday on this program, three colleagues from the Parliamentary Press Gallery joined me to look ahead to the debate. They're back today to give us their assessments 24 hours later and to talk about what went on. Manon Cornelier is an editorial writer with Le Devoir. Bob Fife is the Parliamentary Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. And John Iveson is a columnist with the National Post and Parliamentary Bureau Chief for Post Media. Good to see you all. You. So, um, initial observations. Was it everything you expected? We told yes. you so. <laughs> yeah. Bob, start us off. Well, look, I, I thought it was a terrible debate. Um, you, as we said yesterday, six people, five moderators. It didn't work. Uh, there was a lot of talking over. You couldn't hear uh, what people were saying because the, it was so difficult for the moderators to control uh, the debate. You also had um, uh, Maxime Bernier and the bloc leader there who really in many ways are irrelevant to what is going on in English Canada. And um, the fact of the matter is that there are only two people who have a possibility of forming a majority government, and that is Mr. Trudeau, or a government rather, and that's Mr. Trudeau and Mr. Scheer, and they really didn't have an opportunity for Canadians to really assess them because the format was so bad. So my view on this was that um, I thought that uh, Jagmeet Singh did the best performance of all the leaders. I thought that uh, Andrew Scheer did very well. Um, and Mr. Trudeau held his own, but if there were, there were, were there any real winners in this? No, I think the loser were the Canadian public. Manon, what are your thoughts? I find that it was messy, it was noisy, it was, uh, there was a lot of, uh, we say in French, cacophony. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people were talking uh, over each other. What really annoyed me too, they were a segment where they were asking a question, each leader was answering, but without being able to reply to the other, even if they were attacked. So I find it unfair. There was no uh, second question just to remind a leader to, that's not the question, you're not answering. Right, a chance to follow up and say. Yeah, a moderator. Seconds. How can you answer you know, something for us? Yeah, yeah. yeah, they asked Mr. Scheer, you know, uh, how are you going to take into account the uh, United Nations Declaration on the Indigenous People, how we, and, and so on and so on. He say, I'm sorry, 40 seconds is too short to go through right. this. And he was, Right, yeah. and uh, but I find there was a, a team that uh, if people have not followed this campaign all along and were just getting into it, uh, it was it made clear the difference on the environment. They have uh, on four of the five segments, people they end up yeah. Climate talking, change kept kept come, looping coming, its way back into yes, every into conversation. The debate. Yeah. And I think that that there people were able to see the the difference between the conservative and the the rest of right. the bunch. This was supposed to be a step up for voters, John. Yeah. I, like I, we could we could spend a lot of time just talking about what didn't work. But I mean, ultimately, what you're trying to do is serve Canadian voters. Watch tonight, and you'll get all the answers you need. Uh, did it live up to any of that? No, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of ironic that we're seeing uh, a decline in trust for political parties at the same time as we're seeing uh, extreme polarization. I mean, you would think that those two things would, be, would, would, would not work, go together. But, you know, people did not emerge. Uh, I don't think people emerged feeling that they saw somebody they could trust, who had a vision for the country. Uh, you know, as Bob said, we didn't see the two guys who could be prime minister debating what they would do differently. I mean, the only person who came out of it relatively well, I thought, was, was uh, Jagmeet Singh. 
I think that if, we, if we're looking for numbers to move, his are the only numbers I would suspect would move as a result of that debate. And that was really just because he was a genial, agreeable figure on the stage. Um, you know, he came up with it. In the midst of all the screaming and yelling, yeah, he had yeah, some good sort of one-liners. He had a great line on climate change. You, you know, he referred to Mr. Trudeau as Mr. Delay and, and yeah. Mr. Shearer as Mr. Deny. And today, um, at Ryerson University, he was mobbed by young people. Right. Mobbed. And, you know, a few days ago, he went to McGill and nobody paid attention to him. So people who watch that debate, young people, because I think it's probably the environment that's moved them to come out, um, this has got to be a concern to Mr. Tr Mr. Trudeau because if the if part of that young vote uh, feels that they're more comfortable with Mr. Singh rather than Mr. Trudeau, he, that means he's the difficulty of for him to get a majority government is not there. Yeah, I think that what will happen now though is the scrutiny will be on Singh because it has not been. It's not been. Maybe he's Mr. Deficit. But, but you know what had me thinking today to Bob's point. Watch, you know, if if there's somebody who's demonstrated some continual growth, it's Jagmeet Singh. Yeah. Had me thinking. Here's a guy probably wishing it was a 78-day campaign. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know, because yes, we watched like what that. happened to Justin Trudeau in, in 2015. Well, you, right? In 2011, uh, one week before the the leaders debate, Jack Layton was at 13%. Right. A week after it, he was at 25%. Right. It doesn't take long. No, and the debate changed a lot. The right? debate, debate changed everything. But I think I, the, my point on Singh was that uh, he released his platform in the, in the, uh, in the summer and really nobody's looked at it right. since then. I went to look at it today. It turns out the, the fiscal approach at the back does not have any numbers in it. No. He does not have a costed platform. And people are now going to start asking picking, him questions. I know. You, you and your concerns about money and dollars. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, you know, the, the 1% wealth tax, which he's, which he's got, which is going to raise, I mean, even the parliamentary budget officer says it could raise $5.5 yeah. But there's a big warning sign on it saying this is going to cause behavioral change and it probably won't. Yeah. Let's, let's and I look at their, at their uh, and I think Mr. Shearer, the same problem, his full platform is not out. Now we have the full platform of the NDP for months and I went through it and when you look at the environment plan, it's, it doesn't have the precision that you can find, for example, with the green, which is quite idealistic mm -hmm. in a sense, but, uh, and there's no numbers and there's proposal in there there that are can be really costly and I don't think they can go through until the end of the campaign without releasing uh, a cost of the all their proposal at least the main one well, it except, this, except this it may not matter to some of these people if their view is I don't they're not going to vote mm. uh, they, they're not going to vote for sheer in any case yeah. The, the last time around, everybody liked Trudeau. If they've decided that the with, with it should be said, Bob, too, yeah. on on very little scrutiny, right up through the through yeah. the end of the campaign. Right. right? Yeah. Nobody right. thought he was going to win. There he is. He's the prime minister right. of Canada. So if these young people are saying, you know, I don't, and and that youth vote is important because it went up so much in the last election yeah. campaign and it really made a big difference for the Liberals. If they are saying. The hell with the liberals, uh, or more comfortable supporting Mr. Singh. That is a problem for the liberals. Because and because I, so that was one of the we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. One of the objectives had to be for Justin Trudeau last night was to reach out to those other progressive voters with yeah. the NDP and right. Greens and try right. to give them no option. Yeah. You right. have to come I, to I me. I think he will play. He's playing on those who are on the fence, and we'll at the same time said we want action on the environment, but we want won't want to break the break the bank. And maybe the uh, and Mr. Trudeau is playing that card. You know, I'm more realistic. I'm more pragmatic. Uh, they may be more too idealistic. And so, uh, but and if I don't win, then you will end up with cheer. So he's playing this card like I'm not perfect. Yeah. 
but maybe uh, I'm the best of the and two. And now he's likely to, now thanks to John, he's likely to say, go but, look but, at the NDP uh, platform and see if you can find their cause. The, the NDP as well, though, let, uh, you know, they're, they've fallen way behind. They got nearly 20% of the vote last yeah. time. They're currently around about 14. So even if their vote goes up, they're only back to where they were. Right. Well, let me stick with Jagmeet Singh for a second, because he may have sort of moved his position a little bit in the last 24 hours on Bill 21 in Quebec, which came up a lot in the debate last mm -hmm. night, too. He's now saying, you know, I'm not going to get involved. Uh, but then again, if I'm prime minister and it makes it all the way to the Supreme Court of Canada, then I might have to give it a look. Mm -hmm. And he's taking some heat today from uh, different uh, minority organizations about his position on this, and he should be more more forceful and more, and more vocal on this. Um, I mean, how are the leaders dealing with this, Menno, and, and from a Quebec perspective here in, in particular? Is this just all about protecting seats in the province of Quebec? I think so. I think so. Mr. Trudeau, people in Quebec know, know where he's coming from and where he stands, and so they're not surprised by his position. So what he has to lose in terms of support for that, he has already lost it. Uh, but the others are so are all in a kind of shaky position, especially with the rise, the rise of the bloc. So they're trying to contain the damage. But I, have a, I, guess, I had a guest earlier on my show say, look, this is the only racialized leader in the campaign. If anybody needs to stand up to what's happening in Quebec, if they disagree with the law, it has to be this guy. That's and why he's Mr. Not. Trudeau went after him yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and is that effective? Uh, I'm not sure that he will uh, get more support in Quebec because of this position. And he's, he's very low at the moment. It would seem yeah. to be that he doesn't have that much to lose. He's around about 10% in Quebec. Uh, I think in English Canada, would make a, it would make a lot of sense for but him you, to speak out on that issue. Right. But he's got 14 but, seats in Quebec he's, he's trying got, to hang yeah. on to, right? But the, the, right. the polling suggests that every one of them is They're vulnerable. Yeah. So can but, you if, but, you know, to your point, Peter, if there's anybody who should be saying that this law is discriminatory, it is Skylake, me saying he, well, does, he, say, he, does, he say does say it, that. but he won't. He, he does say, but he, he could be saying if I, say, if, I, if, if I was prime minister today, I'd be bankrolling that court case correct. in Quebec, or I would be an intervener in it in the province of Quebec correct. because I think it's wrong, and we right. would stand up for it right. with all the political consequences that would yeah. entail. I mean, I right. guess the, 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 they were bitten last time, and that's probably what why they're. He's being counseled not to. Yeah, that hurt Tom Mulcair's position on uh, the cabin yeah. in Quebec. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what do you watch for now? As we we're now into the last. Uh, 10 days or so here, a little more than 10 days. Uh, John, you're going down on the road again. It's going to be busy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it, um, well, it seems to me that Andrew Scheer is having a really hard time getting that last 4 or 5% of the vote, particularly in Ontario, that he needs to, to kind of go over the top. Um, and I think we would talk earlier about the, the environment position and his position in foreign aid and other positions being seen as being too right-wing for many centrist voters who are now desperately looking around for somewhere else to go, and they're not really finding a home. Um, I could see Singh's numbers going up, but again, I don't see a breakthrough like we saw with Leighton. Uh, that came through Quebec. This yeah. is obviously not coming yeah, through Quebec. Andrew Scheer might be hoping, for, like, if, like if you talk about Ryerson uh, University students yeah. today, Bob, so Andrew Scheer's probably keeping sure. his fingers so crossed for that. I hope Jagmeet Singh rises in Ontario. But then we have two parties on 33 to 35% and one on 20%, and... But if he's, if, he's, if he's gaining more support in the province of Ontario, that helps Shear, right? For sure. In many of these ridings. Hey, you know, I, I still think we're looking at a, a liberal uh, minority government, probably a strong liberal minority government. The challenge for Mr. Trudeau is try to get those green progressive voters that are parked now with the Greens and the NDP 
to come over and give them a majority. And the liberals have been successful in the past right. doing that by scaring people yeah. and saying, if you don't do this, the conservatives are going to win. So that will be what we have to watch for. Maybe that's the, the, the byproduct of last night is that the NDP voters are less likely to do that now. Uh, because I'm not of, sure of that. Yeah, you think they still will? I think I, the Greens will. It was will, a messy debate, so yeah. I, I, most people were like, I don't know what to, to forget from that. That's just, that's just the four people around this table. Yeah. So, we had to watch it. We had to, yeah. All right. So I'm not sure that uh, this debate yesterday will move the, the needle. Okay, so we still have a campaign and where they look deadlocked and we're not sure whether the dial's been moved and hmm. who knows what will happen over the next... But Thanksgiving yeah. weekend is important, right? Yes. So after Thanksgiving weekend, we should watch to see if the polls move. Exactly. Okay, thank you all. Thank, thank you. you. Shifting our attention now to one of those heavily watched ridings in Ontario. CPAC reporters are on the ground in some 50 ridings across the country to look at the issues driving the vote in every part of the country. The riding of Peterborough Kawartha is considered the last bellwether riding in Canada. In every election since 1965, except for one, voters in that riding have sent a member of the winning party to Ottawa. And in this election, the two front runners from 2015, one of them a Liberal cabinet minister, are squaring off again. That's why Peterborough Kawartha is one of CPAC's ridings to watch. Thanks to our moderators, to our fellow candidates, and of course to the organizations who've brought us here together, and to all of you for taking time out of your Monday night to be here. This is an important election. Under the glare of theater spotlights and the gaze of nearly 150 people, five candidates sit in center stage hot seats. Okay, thank you everyone. We're about to start and get into the meat of our discussion here today. So we drew on who would commence with the first answer to the question. They're making their pitch to Peterborough Kawartha business leaders. So one of the things our government is looking at doing, it will create, is a minister of red tape reduction. It's very similar to what we've seen here in the province. We are also going to be taxing tech giants to ensure they pay their fair share. There's no shortage of opportunities for voters to hear from candidates in this riding. This is one of 15 debates scheduled for this campaign, and candidates aren't holding back. Is this the same plan that you promised 20 years ago you were going to introduce, or is this a different one? Because it, it has been sort of in, the, in a promise. I mean, we've seen so many promises from the Liberal government, pharmacare, uh, childcare, uh, voting reform, and I'm just not seeing them come through. The NDP have a... There is one big question voters want answered. 
how to deal with the crippling opioid crisis in this area. I know people that have, have passed away and I know friends of people that have passed away, so it's, it's pretty personal, it's very serious here. Michael Skinner is the conservative candidate here. This is his second time running. He ran for the Tories in 2015 and lost by 5,800 votes, nearly nine percentage points behind the Liberal victor. Mike Skinner. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you as well. Involved in the election at all? I believe if you're elected to serve the people, your job is to serve and make sure that everyone is looked after. And so you need to work with all levels of government. So that's the key thing. So it's a, a terrible thing that's going on right now in Peterborough. And, and these people are dying now, our, our friends. Tim Burke is vice president of PTBO Strong, a local not-for-profit created to combat the opioid crisis. He says opioids don't discriminate. There is no such thing as a typical user. What a lot of people think addiction is, is those people who have nothing else to do. But it's not these days. It's, uh, it's our brothers, our sisters. You know, in Peterborough, there's lawyers, there's teachers that are taking methadone daily because in those cases, most of them were given a prescription by their doctor and they got addicted to opiates. There are lots of people who become addicted to drugs partially because of physical pain. So it could be back pain or tooth pain. They get prescribed something to deal with it. Or we have people who are dealing with trauma and they're self-medicating to deal with the trauma. So we need to get ahead of that. It's a problem NDP candidate Candace Shaw and others have seen steadily growing in this community. According to the Peterborough Public Health Unit, 2016 saw 10 deaths. 16 in 2017 and 27 in 2018. We need to get a safe consumption site and we need that before the election. That's not, that's not an election promise. That is something that we needed six months ago. At the debate, Liberal incumbent Miriam Monsef took aim at Conservative Party leader Andrew Scheer, referencing a recent media report saying Scheer thinks safe injection sites are a terrible idea. Interventions like safe consumption sites are proven to work. Mr. Scheer saying that he thinks they are a terrible idea is a really bad idea because people are going to die. What Mr. What Mr. Scheer said was that safe injection by itself is a terrible idea because all you're doing is delaying death. We need to take safe injection sites and put them with wraparound services together. You need to have both sides. Just giving people a safe supply of drugs and not helping them get off their addiction isn't going to do anything. The Conservatives keep saying delaying death is, is all that we're doing with safe consumption sites. Literally all any of us are doing is delaying death. I don't think the Conservative government has found a solution to mortality. Given how much of an issue it is in this community, given the amount of deaths and overdoses that there are here, do you wish that there had been a little more in the Liberal platform about opioids? We have been able to go from Mr. Harper's approach, which was based on ideology and ignored all the best uh, evidence, uh, to focusing on what we know is working based on the science and best practices and going to the people who are doing the good work and helping to scale up those best practices. You know, uh, under Mr. Harper uh, and, and his uh, term in government, we only had one of these sites in Canada. We've changed that and we've invested about $100 million that those frontline service providers have what they need. But a practice the Liberals aren't considering is decriminalizing drugs. That's part of the Green Party's plan to fight substance abuse. Andrew McGregor says the Green plan to combat the riding's opioid issues 
also hinges on tackling poverty. What we would like to see as the Green Party of Canada is an elevation of systemic poverty by the guaranteed livable income to make sure that no matter what else is going on, we have that stability and dignity of our home. And when we know where we're going to sleep and what we're going to eat, you know, the, the extra life challenges that we have become that much more manageable. Decriminalization is also the approach favoured by Alexander Murphy, though it's not an official platform plank for the People's Party. Uh, I want to see a, a comprehensive uh, nationwide program to ensure that we treat addiction as a medical issue and not a criminal one. This would see the decriminalization of simple possession for all illicit substances. And this is going to have a direct impact on our community. It's going to ensure that these people can seek medical treatment without being incarcerated. The Peterborough Kawartha riding is large. It spans about 3,025 square kilometers. But there is something key about it too. It's known as one of the last bellwethers in the country. That for the past 50, 60 years, almost always, very few exceptions, provincially and nationally, the riding goes with the governing party. So uh, people have said that uh, voting in Peterborough can predict the national outcome or the provincial outcome. As Minister of Democratic Institutions. That was true in 2015 when Monsef's victory much. aligned with the Liberals forming government and the rookie MP was quickly added to Justin Trudeau's cabinet. The riding is so important both the Liberal and Conservative leaders have made stops here. I grew up in Ottawa. Justin Trudeau held a big rally here on September 26th. You know, from the beginning, Marion's message to me and to Canadians has been that Peterborough matters. This community is engaged. We pay attention to politics. We are very careful about how we vote and uh, we watch the movement during an election cycle very closely. Despite the historical liberal conservative swing, Shaw says the tide could be changing. And I'm just doing a bit of uh, door knocking this afternoon to see if people know how they're voting in the upcoming election. Do you have an idea? Yeah, I'm voting NDP. Hooray! <laughs> in the past, it's been very clear for them. They're voting Liberal, they're voting Conservative. This year, I feel that the conversations are that they don't know how they're voting. So I think it's our time, and whether that means we're a bellwether and we'll see Prime Minister Singh in place or not, or whether we're going to buck the trend, uh, we'll see. But I, I think that I have as good a chance as uh, my Liberal or Conservative colleagues, and I'm very excited about that. History professor David Shannon says a splintering left-wing vote could affect the Liberals' hold. If there's one issue uh, that's going to sway voters and sway the election, I would say it's people who identify themselves as progressive, whether they're convinced that the Trudeau government has done what they think it should have done. Uh, if they don't, uh, and if enough of them move their votes to the NDP, that may be the, the key factor that leads to a Conservative victory in the riding. The other candidates are also not counting themselves out. The other parties have had 152 years to try and establish themselves as those that actually implement legitimate policy and, and achievable policy, and they haven't done so. Uh, we've already seen negative results from both the Conservatives and the Liberals, and we feel that as a new party, we're actually offering Canadians an opportunity to ensure that they can respect the democratic process, that we can ensure that we're getting back to our roots as a democracy. There was a lot of enthusiasm about our current Member of Parliament, Mariam Honsef, in uh, 2015. We'll have to see if people 
judge her negatively because of some key issues uh, based on her performance and based on the Prime Minister's, or if they're happy with that result. Good luck. I don't think you're going to need luck. I think you'll get in. I need all the luck I can get, sir, but I appreciate you believing that strongly. Yeah. When she was first named to Cabinet, Monsef was given responsibility for electoral reform. Justin Trudeau had promised to change how Canadians vote. But this is an important promise the Prime Minister made in 2015. She was given charge of it. Uh, there was a bit of a fumble there on her part. I think the Prime Minister also pulled the rug out from under her and decided that he could probably get himself a, another majority with the current system. Uh, but it was a failure on her part and she was largely seen to have been demoted. I don't think it'll make much of a difference. I think if people don't vote for her, don't give her those 29,000 votes that she got last time, it'll be because of other issues. And I'm really hoping I can count on your support. I think so. Yes, awesome. Should I leave you with one of these? Um, the fact the Liberals, and Monsef in particular, broke that major 2015 campaign promise isn't something the incumbent is worried will affect the current race. What I worry most about uh, on any given day on this election uh, campaign is the consequence of us not winning and the consequence of Canada and this community going back to a time when science was ignored, climate change was denied, reconciliation wasn't a priority, and cuts and austerity uh, were the economic plan for this country. That's what I worry about because we can't afford to go back. I'm proud of my record over the past four years. I'm proud of everything that we've accomplished as a community. I've learned a lot over the past four years and I'm stronger than I've ever been. And if Monsef is going to get reelected, she'll need a strong environmental game. I'm also committed to protecting our environment, fighting climate change and growing the economy at the same time. Because in 2019, if you do not have a credible plan to fight climate change, you do not have a credible plan to grow the economy. What I'd like to see is 10% of our carbon emissions reduced around the world, and we would do that by making sure that solutions are based here in Canada. That's one of our core pieces, and we do not believe that a tax is going to make that happen. We can't afford for pollution to be free. That's why we've put a price on pollution with the revenue going directly back to families here in Ontario. We know that small businesses also want to be part of the solution. Uh, natural disasters are not good for business. Hi there, how are you? You're running for the Greens, eh? Yeah, Sandra McGregor. Good luck. Thank good luck. you. I haven't decided yet. I vote NDP mostly. Okay. Uh, but I'm waffling between the NDP and the Greens. Well, how can I earn your vote then? Carrying the green banner, McGregor says it's important to bring things to the local level to really have environmental issues hit home for voters. When we're talking about reducing our greenhouse gas emissions by 60% by 2030, this has implications for just about every aspect of our lives. What this means for us going forward is that our relationship to food needs to be extensively more local. And part of the Green Party platform is to reduce our international food imports by one third Students at Trent University say they're more concerned with politicians being too narrowly focused when it comes to climate change action. Hi, my name is Marlene Hall and this is my fourth time voting. Hi, my name is Laura Hall and this will be my second time voting. 
My name's Anne Magella McKelvey, and this will be my fifth time voting. There's a huge focus right now on mitigation. So how can we create greener buildings? How can we create cleaner energy? But I think that we also need to shift the focus a bit and talk about adaptation. Because if we look at, for example, boreal peatlands, and Canada is home to some of the greatest boreal peatlands in the entire world, they sequester so much carbon dioxide, and they keep that out of the atmosphere. So if we degrade those environments, that CO2 is being released. So I think a big piece of this puzzle is actually protecting our natural environment mm -hmm. as we move forward. Absolutely. Um, another piece I recognize too when talking about climate change is I find governments um, and a lot of discourses in the media when talking about the environment is putting a lot of the responsibility onto individual people. But I really think we need to put a lot of the responsibility on corporations and a lot of um, the organizations that are responsible for these CO2 emissions. And we really need to put the responsibility on them to be a huge part of the puzzle because that's where a lot of the problems are coming from as well. Absolutely, not just fines, but changing the way they do things, how they build things, how they manufacture things as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find that like corporations, I mean, that's what they're known for. They, they have a large output of income, right? They can always, if they get slapped with a fine, sometimes they can easily pay it, but it's like, that's not enough. Fines are not enough anymore. We need to see actual mm -hmm. fiscal change. Mm -hmm. This all comes down to the law of demand and economics, right? So as the price of something goes down, the demand for it will actually go up, right? So if we're actually thinking about these businesses, I mean, the number one kind of rule in business and the purpose of creating a business is monetary wealth, right? We're trying to actually have a net profit and the business is trying to grow. So my question is, how do we enable large corporations and small businesses in Canada both to be able to actually produce in a more environmentally friendly way so they can price their products accordingly, have a lower production cost and have citizens that are actually enabled to buy their products because it's economically feasible, right? Climate change is important. Um, I mean, it's, it's a big piece, but it's only a third of sort of the overall plan. You know, I don't believe the government is going to come up with the next solution. I believe it's going to be innovators, and you need to have a framework for that. Here in Peterborough, we're very lucky with Trent University, and we have a project which is called the Clean Tech Commons, which is a research park dedicated to coming up with innovation solutions, but not just for Canada, but also for the rest around the world as well. <laughs> Like their Conservative Party cousins, the PPC would scrap the Liberal carbon tax and then they'd go nuclear. We're going to see a less than 1% of 1% drop in global emissions. We need to ask ourselves what kind of policies we can implement that will actually have a tangible effect here in Canada that will guard us against the effects of climate change. We plan to invest in nuclear energy. We plan to ensure that we have a high standard of air and water quality. We plan to ensure to invest in climate change mitigation techniques. And we plan to ensure that we have achievable solutions for these problems. Federal candidates also need a solution for the lack of affordable housing in the riding. With a 1.5% vacancy rate, Peterborough Kawartha is fully feeling the nationwide housing crunch. We have an affordable housing crisis in Peterborough, or just a housing crisis in general. Nobody's moving. And what I've seen um, of people that are dealing with homelessness and housing insecurity, because there are people who are housed here, but it's month to month or week to week, um, is that sometimes addiction really complicates the, uh, the living precariousness. This summer, the lack of affordable housing came to the forefront in downtown Peterborough. After a major shelter closed its doors, the clients set up a tent city in a local park. Our warming room, which was our homeless shelter, uh, the funding period had ended, I think it was July 1st, so uh, the people that were in the, the center had nowhere to go, so they all came here. So it's really easy for 
the average citizen of Peterborough or any city to ignore when you don't see it. You don't have to put up with it. It's nothing to do with you. But when this is Peterborough's busiest street or one of, and it's right bang smack beside City Hall and the police station, nobody can ignore it anymore. But at the end of August, the city forced tenters to dismantle the camp. Some residents found refuge at local churches, including here at Emmanuel United Church. Now, about a month later, they have to move on again. We have asked our guests to leave today. Last night was their last night. Um, one of the reasons is for safety's sake, because it's getting very cold. And the insurance people aren't really crazy about this. Don Urinu is a member of the clergy at Emmanuel United Church. I'm happy that we're able to do this, but I'm sad that we had to do this to, to offer some real estate for people. We wanted to do more, but we can't. We have limited resources. Um, the city should be doing more, and I don't mean just City Hall. I mean, the whole community should be doing something more. What do we have for supper? Advocate Dan Hennessy is one of the people who has to leave the church property. He says there aren't many places to go, and the few spaces available don't work for everyone. There, there is a few beds available at the Brock Mission. Um, so far, everybody's refusing to go to the Brock Mission that's here because they don't like past practices or they don't like the way they've been treated. Uh, the library's opened an emergency overnight shelter. Uh, there's 13 beds available there. It's, but people are refusing to go there. It's for whatever reason. Maybe some people have already been asked to leave because if you come in, you smell like alcohol or you look like you're under the influence, they're asking you to leave. In the face of such a prominent example of the riding struggles, Skinner says that Monsef, as the MP, didn't do enough. I believe a member of parliament's job is also to be in your riding, acting as a catalyst and acting as that representative. And that's something we didn't see. I would have been trying to figure out how can we get either government programs or other people together. And again, it's, you know, when you're a member of parliament, you're respected, hopefully, by everyone that's in your community. And your job is to be there, being that catalyst to try and drive change and to get these problems solved. How about I leave you this? Okay. Um, it's a highlight of what we've accomplished together over the past four years and my commitments to this community should you choose to re-elect me for another four years. But Monsef says she has been that catalyst. Having gone to the park a couple of times and having spoken with folks uh, and trying, you know, dig deep into the issues and find out what is it that you need? Because much is said about you, much is said for you. What do you need? And we've been able to hear from them some really smart solutions around what would work for them. She respects the work being done by municipal leaders, but her role is to be the community's voice in Ottawa. I've uh, said this to our mayor and city council who are working very hard on this, um, that whatever you need as your MP, I'm going to keep working hard to make sure that those federal investments come here. Hello, permission to approach. Hi, how are you? Monsef came to Canada as a refugee in 1996, an experience she says helps her really understand the difficulties campers are facing. I've been homeless, I've lived in a shelter, I lived in social housing, and I know firsthand how important it is to have a safe and affordable roof over your head. It's important to your sense of self, to your sense of worth, but also for being able to piece back whatever was broken and move forward. I have been looking, and I mean for a three-bedroom apartment, 2,400 plus homeless, and I can't afford that. No. The NDP's plan is to build half a million affordable housing units across Canada. 
Shaw says this would address her riding's low stock issues. That's about 30 years ago, the federal government got out of building affordable housing. So what we're finding now is the lack of uh, investment in affordable housing means that there's just nowhere for people to go. Peterborough's population is growing. I've worked for condo developers and I know that it doesn't make sense for private corporations to get into the game of building affordable housing. The profit motive isn't there. So it really needs to be a federal investment. Monsef says her government's housing plan is already in the works and will work for the community. Correction, the federal government is back in the business of housing. We introduced the National Housing Strategy in November of 2017, and CMHC has been tasked with implementing that plan. It's a $55 billion strategy over 10 years. Those units, and there's 2,000 that we need here in Peterborough, which we can build in two years by tapping into that housing strategy, will be built by the private sector, like those here in this room. But Skinner notes, red tape is keeping the riding from getting the much needed housing money. Our plan is to focus on elimination of red tape for every new legislation that we bring in, we remove two. You know, we know at the provincial level that one of the biggest problems in this area is all the regulations that have come out and the cost of what it takes to build units. Murphy's plan is to leave Canadians with more money in their pockets to make it easier to purchase homes. So the first thing that we would like to do is ensure that people can actually afford their homes by ensuring that they have more money. That's, that's the first and foremost way that people can, can invest in their housing. These plans, they're two years away from being shovel ready. Two people have offered to donate their RV trailers for temporary housing until the warming room opens, until there is suitable housing. I realize it's only a Band-Aid, but sometimes you do need a Band-Aid. Right, well, I was just writing down all of the topics we've covered tonight in the past two and a half hours. So we have covered housing, small business taxation, innovation, environment. Outside the debate hall, voters passed judgment on the night's event. For some, it solidified their decision. For others, merely narrowed it down. I thought it was wonderfully done. Everyone seemed really um, educated and even concerned about the climate crisis, which for me is first and foremost. But other things were also really well covered. I prefer to see the national issues debated on a more national scale. For the most part, when you get a local debate like this, talking about national issues, you just kind of get party talking points. I would love to see a little bit more local discussion of the conversations and the topics. I thought it was very diverse topics, the economy, climate change, different issues. I think it's, uh, from a business point of view, everything was broad. So I think that's what we need. I'm definitely closer to my decision, but I'm still not fully there. I have to, I think, review some things, look at each platform a little more. But it definitely helped me get closer to my decision, for sure. For CPAC, I'm Sherelle Evelyn in the writing of Peterborough Kawartha.